Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Score on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump, as well as widemencantjump.com. Our experts examine the ins and outs of what happens on the hockey rink in this NHL special with your host, the Maple Leaf maniac, Tim Dombrova. And the Red Wings renegade, Motor City Mark. Eisman moving, blue line chance. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, StripCamFun.com, Stay Classy Meat, and Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Let's go now to our experts in this episode of Wide Men Can't Score. Ah, good evening. Guess not even evening. I'm so excited. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Wide Men Can't Score. That has got to be the most magnificent intro in the history of podcasts. Mark, for two points in the all-inclusive paid trip to downtown Huntington, West Virginia. Who was in net when Iserman scored for Detroit? Uh, Jim Casey. Uh, was it Jim Casey or was it uh, Jim Carrey? I think it was Grant Fury, was it not? Nah, hold on. For St. Louis, oh, hold on. I will look right now. I'm going with Grant Fuhrer. I could be wrong there, but I'm going to go with Grant Fuhrer. Hold on. I'm looking at it right now. Let me make sure because... Yeah, right off the sure bat. That. Controversy. Yeah, think... Right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, because I think, I think, if I remember correctly, Fuhrer got injured in that series. I don't got, know why. I'm picturing Grant Fuhrer in the uh, in the net for some reason. I, I don't know why. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not the biggest Detroit or, and or St. Louis fan. So I could be wrong on that. Uh, let's see if I can pull up the video here. I, I, I have in my head that I have this vision of Grant Fuhrer swiping at the puck like a goofball. Let's see here. Here's the video. Number 30 for the St. Louis Blues. I think you're right. That's John Casey. You are correct, sir. John Casey Casey for the win. Well, enjoy your trip to downtown Huntington. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, um, I've never been there, so it'll be an adventure. Maybe I'll go catch a a Marshall University uh, Henry Hurd football game. From what I understand, the – a still and an opium dealer on every corner, from what I understand. Uh, uh, well, I don't know too much. I'm from uh, from Michigan, so. Yeah, I'm but, just, uh, hey. Don't know too I'm much just, about West Virginia. I, I'm just a poor farm boy from Canada. I know nothing about anything except sports. And let's talk about yeah. hockey. What a, another crazy week in the pucks. Um Boy, where do we start? Where do you want to start? To hell with it. Let's start with the Leafs. What in the hell is wrong with the Toronto Maple Leafs that they have a, the, one of the most expensive, well, the most expensive payroll in hockey, some of the best players, uh, at least offensively, in hockey, and yet men who have been taught their entire lives how to play defense, how to get the puck out of their own end, how not to give the puck away in their own end, Continue to do so at a rapid pace and blow leads and lose games. 
Oh, first thing I think is Toronto's got no defense. Again, your one best defenseman is Morgan Riley, which is more of an offensive guy, but you've got a plug like Cody Cece. Your third pair is pretty much no-name guys. And your goalies. I mean, you've got, you're relying too much on Frederick Anderson. Your backup is a guy that's won maybe five games in the last three years. So, yeah, Toronto's going to suffer. And now you've lost your captain for at least the next two weeks. So you need Austin Matthews to step it up. And I don't know. I think the issue is Leafs team defense is down. They, well, they need to do something. Statistically, Toronto has scored 40 goals. Uh, I believe that's second best in the league. But they've also given up a league worst 39 goals in 11 games. Uh, granted, there's going to be some teams that are going to catch them because not that many teams have played 11 games. But still, that's far too many. I mean, that's what, three and a half a game almost. You're, you're not going to you're not winning any Stanley Cup or any playoff success with those kind of numbers. No. I mean, Toronto, you know, I keep I keep saying Toronto needs to get a true defensive defenseman or a good two-way defenseman. In Toronto, you know, the best guy I think, and I think we spoke about this last time, I'd say Drew Doughty is the best guy to come to Toronto. I think he would well, really, really make that defense better. I heard an interesting story about the Cody CC deal. Um, Apparently the way that, and I don't quite understand this. I'm not a arbitration or cap expert by any stretch, but from what I understand, when they traded for him, they were stuck with him. They had to take him and that deal because he was eligible for salary arbitration and they were worried he would get even more through that route and that it would bury their cap because they're already in cap hell. They can't bring up anybody. They can't send anybody down and bring somebody up because they're totally at the ceiling. It sort of didn't make sense to me, but the gist of it was is that they were kind of stuck for this year that they kind of had to take them. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but it would make sense for why they kept him because he's not a bad uh, offensively. He's all right, but in his own end, he, he leaks like a sieve and they're asking him to do things. He's just not capable of doing. Um, Same with Tyson Berry for that matter. You know, he's another guy, not a bad offensive defenseman, but defensively he needs to be on a pair with a shutdown guy. Right, and it's just with Toronto, you you look at their D. I mean, outside of Morgan Riley and really Jake Muzzin, who's a defensive guy, like your third pairing is just a bunch of guys that you don't know who they are. You've got Kevin Gravel, who who is he? Martin Morenson, who's a Boston well, Edmonton, and then you've got I Justin know who Hull. He is. Well, they knew that going in. I mean, they knew going in that their defense was going to be their problem. Um, Travis Dermott is probably a better defenseman than than a defensive defenseman. He's probably the best one they have, and he's not in the lineup. I think, although he's, I think he's scheduled to come back either this game or Saturday, I believe. But um, 
I mean, Sandine, to be honest, was probably a better defensive defenseman than some of the guys that they kept on the roster. Right, well, they sent him down, too, to get some uh, more seasoning in the AHL, so... Well, he's not getting... We'll see uh, if it's... Yeah, I mean, he was playing minutes that he really shouldn't... You know, they were putting him... In, again, they were putting him in situations where he was going to fail because he's not ready quite yet, and they'd rather let him get some better minutes in the AHL and get some confidence than keep getting burnt in the... Because uh, uh, oh, yeah. it's yeah, I mean it makes sense to send him down. I don't have a problem that they sent him down, but um, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not disagreeing with Toronto. They did a smart thing here, but it just you have to think if they're gonna make a trade sooner rather than later. I mean they have to. Their their cap is just to the max. They really. So need I to think sit, who do you, yeah yeah they need to sit down and look at their forwards and go okay we've got what we got Marner we got Matthews we've got. Uh, Nylander, we got Tavares. We can afford to get rid of one of these guys and that big contract. Absolutely. Let's trade one of these Absolutely. guys, whichever one, it, whichever one it is. I don't even, uh, to be honest, if I had to get rid of one, I'd probably, it would probably be Willie. Um, not because I don't like Willie, but I think of the upsides. I think the other guys are, uh, got better upsides than Willie does. But but regardless, I, I even I maybe I even take, take Nylander and maybe somebody um, I don't know one of uh, Kapanen or Andreas Janssen, one of them somebody in that that's a pretty good player, but really isn't you're not going to be able to afford in a year or two anyway. Uh, trade them and get a, a number one D man from somewhere, and I don't know who that is or where it's from, but they need to do it and they need to do it now. They won't, but they need. Yeah. To. No, I think if you're if you're gonna make that trade with LA, I think Nylander is the guy. Obviously, you can probably get rid of Nylander, but you need to clear some cap. So I say, you trade Nylander and see if you can throw Ceci in there. Well, what are you gonna? Yeah, what are you gonna need to? I mean, what did Drew Doughty sign for? Ten or eleven, something He's crazy got, like that. I think ten. I've got actually cap friendly pulled up right now, so oh, okay, H- have a look at that because I I think Willie's only getting I think against the cap I think he's like six and a half or something something like that. It's not that he, nowhere near what Doughty's making. Doughty's getting eleven. Okay, and okay, and Nylander's getting six point nine six. So that's not you're going to have to throw somebody else in that deal somewhere. Right, which is what I said. Like Cody Ceci is the next guy you throw in that deal to kind of do balance King, out that salary. Do and, the Kings want him though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a defense, but you're you're landing William Nylander too. True. Um, you know what? I I wouldn't have a problem if they traded uh, Nylander and uh, they got Andreas Johnson under contract for four years at three point four. That's pretty close. That's ten and change. You could probably make that work. I could I could live with that deal. I like Janssen, but somebody's gotta go and they gotta get help on the D. They just they're never getting anywhere without it. Uh, Freddie oh, Anderson is it, Freddie Anderson is a decent goalie. But he can't be seeing thirty five and forty shots a night every night, no matter who they're playing, doesn't matter. You know, if it's a good team, they give up shots. If it's a bad team, they give up shots. I shudder to think what his uh, a grade-A scoring opportunity number is because 
he faces a load of rubber that half of which has no business getting anywhere near the net. Yeah. I think Toronto, I just, who do you get as a new, as a backup goalie, a solid backup goalie? There's really nobody out there right now. Well, they can't afford to, they can't afford to pay for one. They they don't have the, I mean, that's half the reason they've got who they've got because they didn't want to pay, you know, they're paying him $700,000 and that's all they can afford. A decent backup is going to cost you a mil plus these days. Um, Cause a lot of them play, you know, 15, 20 games, which is what they probably need in Toronto too. I mean, if you're Toronto, why don't you give uh, Arizona a call? They've got three on their roster right now. They've got Ranta, they've got Kemper, and they've got uh, the Comrie kid. I think he put in a call to, to Arizona and see how much it'd take to to pluck uh, Comrie. I think he'd be a better better fit than Hutchinson, honestly. More upside. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Toronto is a very stu- They're very stubborn. They they get a plan and they won't deviate from that plan until it's far too late. Because I got to be honest, the next thing I want to see happen, actually the first thing I want to see happen in Toronto, and it's slowly picking up steam, I think, throughout the league, is I think Mike Babcock's got to go. Uh, I was, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think Babcock has really worn out his welcome in Toronto. It's it's not working. He, and I don't before, think yeah, I do not think that he has the confidence of that room. Mm-mm. No. And you know the thing is, Babcock is good. Is a good coach for a veteran team. And really, if you're a team that, like a Tampa Bay, would be a perfect area for Mike Babcock to be coaching. You don't have a lot of young players. You have a veteran room, or even Pittsburgh for that matter. But Toronto is not the place. Toronto is not the place for backpack. You have too many young, yeah, too many young players. Too many young guys. I mean, they've only got one guy over 30 on the entire roster, and that's Jason Spezza, and look how he shit all over him. (laughs) I mean, backpack has a history of doing it. Yeah, basically told his general manager that I don't really like that you signed this guy, so I'm going to take a big crap on him. I mean, now granted, Jason Spezza doesn't bring to the table what he used to. But good Lord, he's not going to no, give you anything if you don't dress him half the time or put him on the fourth line and give him six minutes. He's not going to do much for you. Um, you know, he's... Well, Babcock has a history of doing it. He's a stubborn dude, and he picks favorites, not necessarily based on what they get done on the ice. And... I I don't know. I don't dislike the guy. I just don't think he's a fit there anymore, and I think they should pull the trigger now instead of waiting until another season gets totally... This team should do better than they do. Although I see uh, the the athletic...
Yeah, full apologies. Oh, there we are. I think we're back. Uh, full apologies. A small power outage here at uh, Wide Men Can't Jump North. Uh, we've lost Mark for a moment. Um, let's see if we can get him back on the air. And we'll go from there. We'll have to do this the hard way today. Um, as I said, I'm, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Uh, up here in the Great White North, every now and then the weather pulls a nasty. See if we can get a hold of Motor City Mark. Anyway, where are we talking about the Maple Leafs? Mike Babcock. Oh, there we've got uh, we got Mark back there. There he is. Hey Tim. Hey, uh, I got power surged. That wasn't you. That was me. I got totally blown right off the network. <laughs> oh no. And then I got a. It's it's kind of it's kind of a crazy uh, system. It. Um, it won't let me back in. It, it doesn't. It boots me out, but it doesn't er, remove me from the host thing, so I can't get back in that way. So that I got to get on a phone. I got to reboot the computer because I can't let anybody in until I'm looking at that page. So it takes a couple minutes. My apologies, all on my end. Uh, Mike Babcock, twit. Uh, go. Uh, well, I mean, Mike Babcock. He's he's got a history of just. If he doesn't like the player, he has a history of just ruining them. I mean, Mike Commodore is probably the biggest example of that. You know, like Babcock has ruined him in Anaheim, buried him. Then Commodore, Tommy, comes to Detroit. Mind you, Commodore wasn't a bad defenseman. He's a pretty solid defenseman, good defensive guy, good fight. Uh, Actually, a really nice guy, too, on Twitter and Instagram. So follow Mike Commodore if you guys want to. Nice little plug for you, Mike. Um, you know, Babcock buried him in Detroit, didn't play him, and, and Babcock did the same thing to Madonna. I mean, Mike Madonna, probably one of the greatest American-born hockey players all time, and Babcock stiffed him one game short of 1,500. So, you know, Babcock, he can really piss off the players. I mean, Zetterberg... Towards the end, when Babcock left, you know, Zetterberg kind of alluded to it. But, you know, Zetterberg's a classy guy. He won't outright say it. So, you know, it's probably the reason why Datsuk left. He went back to he went back to uh, Russia. It's it's very strange. Uh, Commodore just buried him. He, he told him he was in, uh, what did he say? He was an egotistical piece of shit. And those were his exact words. Um, yeah, he had nothing good to say about him, like nothing. So... So anyway, the the Leafs are definitely they got problems. They got a lot to work on. Although most of it seems to be the same old story, uh, can't keep the puck out of their their net. Uh, let's talk about your Red Wings for a bit. Um, not oh God. really surprising anybody that they aren't tearing it up. Uh, but no. But one would suggest that they also have more uh, more talent than what uh, is being displayed. Um, I'm not so sure if that's just because they got some young guys and they're still finding their way or what it is. But 
Uh, they can't score, and they got lots of guys who should be able to score, and they're not. So, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been very brutal to see those box scores at the end of the night. As a Red Wings fan, they can't score more than two goals. You know, Blashold just has a, a a thing for putting Luke Lindenning on the second line, which I don't understand. It Luke Lindenning has stone hands. He is not a finisher. Putting him on the second line is not a good way to use him. They just called up Evgeny Svechnikov. They've been playing him on the fourth line for the last two games. Give this kid a shot. This kid loves to score. Put him on the second line and see what he can do. You've got a pass first center of Valtteri Fopola, who in his whole career, he is always afraid to shoot. You've got him and Andreas Athanasiu on your second line. Let Svechnikov score. Let him play. That's, that's what have you got to lose? You've been you've been beaten the last two games. You have a lead, and then you let the team score five on you. You know, change it up. That top line of Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Manta is not is not going to get broken up anytime soon. Because that's when you're the losing only to, of, you know, when you lose in the succession. Uh, the Canucks are looking a little better than what I think what people expected. But, I mean, they lost 5-1 to Vancouver, 5-1 to Calgary, who have kind of been hit and miss, 2-1 to Detroit, or to Edmonton, I mean, which was not a bad game, then 5-2 to to Vancouver, and then the stinker, 5-2 to against Ottawa. But, uh, like I said, that's seven goals in five games. That's just... You know, I mean, you can't win, right? I mean, you're just not going to. And then on top of it, you've got uh, the goaltending has been uh, – Bernier's been so-so. Uh, Jimmy Howard's been horrible. Um, well, again, look at team defense. The team defense is broken down. They don't, they don't give Howard or Bernier any help. And it, it's just been an all-around bad defensive game for the Red Wings. I, don't get me wrong. I love my team, but I have to call it like I see it. And oh, hey, just, I'm no different. They're not you know, facts. Facts they're are facts, man. They exactly. Just, I mean, they're they're just not producing. They they just well when you I mean when they're again too they're another team like they remind me a lot of the uh, uh, except in mini fashion of the Edmonton Oilers. They got two forwards who can score. Then they got one who you know Dylan Larkin so far this year anyways kind of playing the uh, uh, Nugent Hopkins role. He's got, you know, doing okay, but probably should be doing better. And then suddenly they've got three defensemen who are their next top <laughs> top three point getters, and that's that's just never good. No, I mean, I guess the one bright light is the fact that, you know, Philip Hronik has really started to come into his own as a Red Wing number one defenseman of the future. He is that guy that's going to be on the top pair. He's a very smart defenseman. You know, doesn't have to play physical. Um, so, yeah, it looks bright on the defensive end. You've got Dennis Cholowski, who's really improved since last year. So, really looking forward to seeing how this season goes for him. But I think overall, the Red Wings, you know, more specifically Jeff Lashley, he needs to he needs to not be so intent on – having these set lines or having a, a, an affinity for putting Luke Lindenning on the second line. I mean, he's already put Justin Abdelkader where he belongs, on the fourth line. You know, Abdelkader is good physically, but he 
his points or his stats were a product of playing with Pavel Datsuk. Let's be real here. <laughs> well, and what what have so, they done to to Double A that his his game has fallen totally apart? There's a whole two. They're not points playing him at center. Two points and a minus eleven. Like okay, that that, yeah. that that project is a failure. Whatever they're doing there is not working. Time to put him somewhere else. No, and you know what? Double A was effective last year towards the end of the season. He was playing as the second line center behind Dylan Larkin, and I think he naturally is a center. If you can put Double A as your center, because Philpola is clearly not doing it. Philpola is a good faceoff guy. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good face-off guy. But he does not have the speed, and he's an older guy. If you put double A, Evgeny Svechnikov, and Taro Hirose on that second line, you've got a very good dynamic second line. And let him go. Svechnikov is a 6-3 power forward. Okay, and he loves to score. He's just like his brother. I I don't understand. To me, it's... I don't know. I'm always amazed at how they can take these guys who had good good seasons. Uh, what he uh, double A's 25, just moving into what should be the prime of his career, uh, and then they somebody gets it in their head to suddenly take whatever it was that that's been working for this guy. Let's just change it up. Let's 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 put him in a role that he that he hasn't really done before, for the most part anyway. And and then we'll wonder why he he doesn't produce, and then we'll punish him by moving him down the lines to try to get him going. No, put him back where he was, and you'll probably see some improvement. Agreed. I mean, it's it's frustrating to see Double A not given that shot as a, as the second line guy. See what he can do. He's got he's got speed to burn. I mean, he was a 30-goal I mean, guy last year. Exactly. He was playing in the two-hole. Like, that's... Excuse me, that's I, 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 I'm as mystified by some of the moves that NHL coaches make. Um, and we'll get, to, we'll get to a bigger one here when we move on to the, to the Oilers. But uh, uh, I don't know. Detroit, uh, I'm not sure what to make of your Red Wings quite yet. Um, I uh, well, you know much... what? I think a coaching change is coming. Maybe not that soon, possible. but maybe drunk. Yeah, I think um, Dan Bilesma will be the guy that will be the next coach of the Red Wings. I think he's just the coach in waiting. Or maybe uh, maybe Eisenman goes out and gets his own guy. Who knows? I mean, but... uh, the schedule hasn't been particularly tough yet. Uh, no, you, know, you throw Nashville, Anaheim, and maybe Toronto, and we just talked about how uh, porous the Leafs are. Uh, and those, and actually, <laughs> Detroit has beat the three. You know, they beat Nashville, they beat Dallas, and they beat Montreal. Uh, where the hell are the wins going to yeah. come from if when they start? I mean, they got Buffalo, St. Louis, the next two. Those aren't going to be easy. Um, um, you know, Buffalo Buffalo's going to be a tough game, but St. Louis is going to be a bloodbath. Well, yeah, they they I don't mean, like I, each other too much, so that's no. that's always a pretty good matchup from that standpoint. 
Um, oh, I mean, then yeah. I mean, when you look at their November schedule, they've got Carolina, Florida, Nashville, and the Rangers, the Bruins, Vegas, the Ducks. They don't see anybody even half uh, until the middle of the month. They got the Kings, but like they got a fairly good line. I mean, then Ottawa, who they couldn't beat, Columbus, kind of so-so, New Jersey, so-so. Then Carolina, Toronto, Philadelphia, Washington. I mean, they got a rough November coming up. Um, yeah, they're going to have to find some scoring if they. Mind you, like as you said, I, I don't expect anybody's was expecting the Detroit Red Wings to make the playoffs this year, but still, um, they're better. And I say I think they're better than what they've shown so far, results-wise. Absolutely, I think. I guess the. I don't want to call it a good thing, but I guess the, I guess the good thing is that they 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 sent down Jonathan Erickson. I guess the only positive thing they sent him down to the minors, so that. they're making room on defense. That 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 pylon. It's it's yeah. funny how fast now that like, now that I talk to you and we do this thing every two weeks, how much more I notice the moves that I never really would have paid much attention to what the Detroit Red Wings were up to. But when that happened, oh, no, well, Mark's going to be happy about that. <laughs> Mark will be pleased <laughs> that they sent Jonathan Erickson down. No, that's not going to hurt his feelings any. Um, all right, so who else we want to? Uh, no, we can uh, talk about your, your your favorite team, the Oilers, or we can talk about how great of a season Buffalo's off to. Well, let's let's do let's do all the Oilers first, so I can get that out of my system. Um, <laughs> I will give the Edmonton Oilers full marks for a much better start to the season. In fact, an excellent start to the season compared to last year. But then I will throw out, and I think I just have to dig it up. I'm pretty sure I kept the stat. Um, Or maybe I didn't. But anyway, I looked up their record. I mean, first of all, look at who they played. That's first up. Now, I mean, they still got to win them, but uh, Vancouver, they're doing all right now, but when Edmonton played them, they weren't. The Kings, pretty shitty. The Islanders, so-so. Devils, shitty. Rangers, shitty. Chicago, shitty. Philadelphia, hit and miss. Detroit, not so good. Then they lost to Winnipeg and Minnesota. They haven't played anybody. They have played par 500 teams, mostly non-playoff teams from last year. And they are not, short of the Islander game, they've got a whole slew of one-goal victories. Now, granted, you got to win them. And I said, full credit for winning them, because last year they might have lost at least half of them. But they haven't played anybody yet, and their schedule is also about to get a lot uglier. Their November is makes Detroit's look easy. Um then throw on top of there that they are playing Leon and Connor 25-plus a night. And I watched the Minnesota game, the entire game. Those guys were both so tired. I mean, Connor McDavid gave the puck away at least five times where he passed it to nobody. I mean, he is either sick as a dog with something way worse than a cold, or he's just so tired that his brain ain't working, or he's hurt, none of which are good for the Oilers. You cannot sustain 
um, the two of your players being responsible for 75% of your goals, it's just nuts. I mean, and then if you throw out James Neal, who, I mean, I'll give James Neal full credit for getting done what he got done, but he's not going to continue to shoot at 32%. That's not going to happen. Those numbers are going to drop. They don't have a outside of three. They've got uh, how many goals have they scored? Uh, hold on, I gotta look that up. Um, they've got twenty goals from three guys. The rest of their team has got uh, one, two, five, six, eight, nine, ten. The entire rest of the team has ten. You ain't winning long term with that mess. Then I understand that they're talking about bringing back Jesse Pulyarvi because he scored 11 goals on 272 shots in the Finnish league. They're crazy. This thing is going to blow up, mark my words. Edmonton will be right back. People forget, they were 6-4-1 and one at the end of uh, October last year. They were looking pretty good. You just can't, until they get some bottom six scoring or some scoring from anywhere, besides those two dudes, they're never going to amount to very much in my opinion. Off you go. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I think the big problem is uh, Edmonton lacks secondary scoring. And, you know, Pooley RV is more than content by staying in Finland right now just to play out the season. But I think the biggest biggest player I, w- I wouldn't mind Edmonton going out and getting is uh, Josh Hosang. Now, granted, they could have gotten him for nothing a couple weeks ago. They obviously didn't do that. But I think a trade could be made with uh, the Islanders. And uh, I think Hosang would be a very good fit in Edmonton. He's a, he's a good playmaker. I do believe he played with Connor McDavid in junior. So he there's did, a familiarity but, there. But isn't he, like, do you want that potential poison in your dressing room? I think it's been overblown. Um, he definitely he definitely is uh, more matured, I feel. And I think the fact that you've got Dave Tippett in there as the coach who is a no-nonsense coach, and you've got Ken Holland in there too. Don't underestimate the culture Ken Holland's trying to – put into the Edmonton Oilers. He's trying to instill a lot of what he did in Detroit. So you will be seeing a lot of Detroit-like things with the Oilers. So if they bring in Hosang, I think he will 100% have that conversation with Ken Holland, and he will be buying into that program. Because you either you come to you either come to this team or we don't want you. So... And I think at this point, Hosang wants a, wants a new uh, lease on his hockey life. Well, he's, yeah, I mean, he's got to be working on, what, life number eight? Well, listen, we have to look at it this way. The Islanders, not to take anything away from Hosang because he, he wasn't mature, but the Islanders themselves have not particularly done well with their prospects, especially their high first-round draft picks. With the exception of maybe John Tavares and, and Josh Bailey, they haven't done well. So they rushed them too early. They keep on these well, high you're expectations. Not, you're not going to give them any credit for Bouvillier and Matt Barzell? Well, here's the thing. They did it right. 
they they let them mature, and that's probably because you've got new leadership. You've got new uh, no, not true. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. I just think that Josh Hosang is his own worst enemy. You know, doing dumb yeah, shit he, like he, like you know being missing practices and all this kind of shit does not you know that that normally is a sign of immaturity and not much else unless you've got a bigger problem, um, which I don't think he does. As far as I know, and I haven't heard any rumblings about, you know, maybe potential substance abuse or video game addiction or these kinds of things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what Edmonton. I mean, there's, you know, the talk in Edmonton. Well, it wasn't so much in Edmonton. It was Elliot Friedman actually who threw out there that the Oilers are players for Taylor Hall, and I'm like, how are they paying them with peanuts? Because they don't have any cap, and I well, here's the thing. I'm... You can go ahead. You could you could trade out Chris Russell four and a half. That would be a start. Taylor mm-hmm. Hall's coming in at six. Yeah, the question. Uh, yeah, Taylor. Yeah, but Taylor Hall's he's on the. He needs a new contract. He somebody will give him more money than that. Well, they I should. Mean, they should, well, but they will. I mean, I. Ideally, if you're Edmonton, you'd want to get Taylor Hall for nine and a half. Eight and a half to nine and a half mils. All right, so then, okay, so you're going to give up, you're going to give up Russell. Fine, I have no problem with that. There's, that's half of it. Well, not quite half of it. Um, Are you not going to sign, like there's decisions to be made. They won't have Sam Gagne next year. He's gone, and that's a big albatross of a contract for a guy who doesn't oh, yeah. play three three mil. Um, do you bother to re-sign, I don't know, they're paying Zach Cassian $2 million. Do you really, like, they, they're if they do it, I'm not saying they couldn't do it, but if they do it, they're bottom six or bottom nine even for that matter, which has always been their problem, isn't going to get any better because they're not going to be able to afford anybody. Well, I mean, it's not good anyway right now, but I think if you're at Edmonton, you know, you have Taylor Hall. You've got two dynamic duos. You've got Hall and Nugent Hopkins, McDavid and Dreisaitl. So you've got two lines that you can roll out. Easy. You know, it, now, I, I hear you. And yet in Edmonton, it just doesn't seem to work. <laughs> if they, you know, then James Neal gets his points on the power play for the most part. Nuge has done nothing this year. He's been absolutely horrible um, offensively, I think he's got. Uh, one, I think he's got one goal. Um, and they haul. I think the big. I'm gonna. I'll take it further. I think the biggest problem in Edmonton, or one of the biggest problems, is as a coach of the Oilers. That tandem is so tempting to just throw them out there. So they do. Nobody gets you know. Con- Drysaddle is penalty killing and taking most of the power play minutes and his own shift. Connor sees every power play. Uh, against Minnesota, I mean, they were dead tired. And it was three to nothing with about six minutes left in the game. And he was still throwing them both out there on the power play. And they were staying out there for almost the entire power play. And I'm just like, what is he doing? Get those poor bastards. Like, they're not doing anything anyway. Get them off the ice and let them rest. This game is over. You're not winning. You're just piling up more useless minutes on these two guys, and they're tired. And it's only, 
game. They're going into game eleven, and they got two superstars that are already burnt. Not good. I, I'm curious to see what they're going to do against Washington tonight, because they looked absolutely, totally disinterested in in Minnesota. It was a horrific yeah, game. If you if you were an Oilers fan, I just think if you're Edmonton, you you really want to preserve Connor McDavid. More than anything, Connor McDavid and Drysdale, but McDavid more than anything, you get an injury to him, like it's over. How bad is your season? Yeah, your season's done. It's it's over, and I still don't think. Like uh, the Athletic does a a running playoff uh, predictions every night. They readjust, and they've got a they got a mathematical formula for. takes into account, you know, how everybody's been doing and strength of schedule and all that stuff and then predicts the final standings. And they've still got Edmonton at, at 20. It's just that even wow. with their hot start, there's just no way. This is not sustainable and the math, you know, says it's not. That these guys just, you know, guys can't keep shooting at 30% and the power play is at what? Some ridiculous number. In the eighty percent, I believe, and that's that's just not going to continue. It's never continued in the history of the game. It's not going to this year either. And when their big two guys don't get it done or can't get it done, they got nothing. And they've been getting superb, superb goaltending. Their goaltending has been spectacular. Yeah, I mean, and Mike who Smith knows if really that's going to hold? This year. Say that again. I said, and who knows if that's going to, how long that's going to hold up? Because Mike Smith, who is, is a decent goalie, but he's not a great one. And Miko Koskinen isn't either. He's just. He's big. played well this year, though. You've got to give him credit for that. Oh, yeah. They're, he's, like he's I said, I mean, so well. far, their goaltending has been spectacular, but is it going to hold? It's true. I mean, again, you got to look at it, too. Dave Tippett coach teams. You know, historically, you know, the goalies tend to be better in a, in a Dave Tippett system. So, that is you know, true. I mean, look at Brzezgalov. Look at Brzezgalov. You know, as soon as he left Phoenix, his numbers started dropping in Philadelphia. I mean, Edmonton he wasn't playing is, from uh, Tippett. I mean, they've only given up 2.4 goals a game so far, which is pretty good. That's got to be close to – that's, I mean, that's easily got to be top ten in the in the league, I would think. Um, but I say I just don't know because their defense isn't very good, so I don't know how long that uh, that holds up. But uh, goals against average, where are we here? Mike Smith is tenth in goals against at two point one four. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Edmonton, I watched them. They have barely squeaked by in several games, although, as I said, they've looked better than they did last year. I just see that at some point the wheels are falling off and they're going to go right back to, to what they, what everybody thinks they are. God, I hope it's true. <laughs> well. Well, we'll see how uh, we'll see how it fares, but I think if you're an Oilers fan, I think if you're 
you're hoping that Holland uh, starts looking for some of that secondary scoring, and maybe not now, but in a month or so, you're going to start seeing a lot of trades start to happen. We'll see more uh, friction on or traction on that. So we'll, we'll see, too, but they're, you know, they're also. I don't know if it's just me, but their uh, division. I think so far teams are doing a lot better there than what people thought. Uh, the only team that really is totally, well, not totally out of it, but that's sucking pretty hard is the Sharks. And other than that, even L.A. has got, you know, they're, they're four and five in nine games, which I think is a lot better than most people thought these teams were going to do. Calgary's kind of so-so. Arizona's actually done real well. They've only played eight games. Ducks are doing well. Canucks are doing well. Vegas is doing well. I mean, Edmonton is going to have to keep up that pace if they want to even get a shot at getting in. Absolutely. I mean, listen, Edmonton, I think the measuring stick in that division is Vegas. Vegas, to me, has been the most consistent team in that division for the last three years. So, you know, well, and they've, got, they, they've got a goaltender. They do. They've got a they've got a very good one at that. Flurry is a guy that you know is going to he he's going to get you that W every night. Vegas and I think keeps getting I think done. Vegas wound up winning. I think Vegas wound up winning that division, honestly. That is that's honestly my pick to come out of the West this year. I think um I've been changing my picks and just looking at Vegas, they look so much stronger than the Sharks. The Sharks just haven't uh, been able to get it done. The Sharks are too old. <laughs> They're just too old. Uh, they've got a lot of good players, but in all honesty, the best years of some of their best players are long gone. I mean, Joe Thornton is in his 40s. Patrick Barlow's in his 40s. Um, Eric Carlson is uh, still decent, but nowhere near what he used to be. Uh, Brent Burns is getting old. I mean, those guys have, I mean, slowly, at some point, the decline has to start for a lot of those guys. They got rid of, uh, who was it, Pavelski? Um, They changed the team a little bit. Uh, then I, I don't know if you saw there, but the other night when they lost in or lost in overtime to Buffalo on that god awful line change where two guys decided to, <laughs> two guys decided to bail at the same time with the, when the Buffalo had the puck in the in, in the you know at center ice and suddenly they have a three on one because two guys walked off and uh, Logan Couture went absolutely crazy. Uh, after the game and threw everybody under the bus and said people need to wake up around here. Um, you know, we're not playing properly. So maybe that might wake some guys up. I don't know, but they haven't looked very good. Uh, and granted, I guess, too, it's still only 10 games, but I don't know. I think we're starting to see the writing on the wall for some teams. There's going to be a little bit of a of – a, uh, Changing in the in the power structure, uh, I mean, which leads us to Buffalo. I don't even know what to say about Buffalo except, are they for real? Yeah, I think it's about damn time. Uh, you know, I think 
we've all been waiting for Buffalo to be really good for a very long time, ever since the 2015 draft. And now they're starting to get really good. And that's a team that I've been just waiting for them to get good. And when they got Skinner last year, a lot of people, myself included, thought that's the team that's making the playoffs. And they didn't. So, and it changes. It's really the coach. You know, Ralph Kruger's done a very, very good job in there. Still don't understand why he was fired in Edmonton. Uh, because um, think, he was the scapegoat. Because they don't they, – they had a good coach. They, just didn't, they don't know how to find good coaches in Edmonton. But they got one now, so I guess that, that argument's kind of put to bed right now. But getting back to Ralph Kruger, he's a, he's a great coach. He did a good job at the World Cup of Hockey. I don't know if you saw, but, like, that team of just oh, yeah, he's, he, of European yeah, He's very good with younger guys. And to be honest, like the Buffalo Sabres, and I don't count him as one either, short of Jack Eichel, they really don't have a, an oh-my-God player in the, in the uh, media sense of it. They're not that kind of team. When you look at their stats – you know, they got – Jack Eichel's got six goals. Victor Olofsson's got six goals. Reinhardt's got four. Skinner's got six. Johansson's got four. Casey Middlestadt's got three. Connor Sheary's got three. Like, everybody is chipping in. And then when you throw Carter Hutton on top of that, who has just been an absolute beast so far this year, uh, you know, those are stats. Six and oh. Uh, 1.65 goals against and a 9.43 save percentage. That's an NHL a Stanley Cup winning goaltender's stats. Yeah, and you know, just looking at Buffalo, you just, they're a solid team. Look at their defense. You know, Marco Scandella, uh, Colin Miller, or call, yeah, Colin Miller, um, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Ristolainen. You know, these are these are some really these are some really solid uh, guys that they have on their team. So funny, I'm, funny I'm, how I'm uh, Risto Lainen became something with a coach. Imagine that. I know, right? I yeah, mean, they were ready they were to throw him under the bus, and suddenly he got good. <laughs> well, I mean, they were they were talking about sending him to Winnipeg for Lainen earlier in the year, but I mean now. Mistake. I mean, it would have been great for Eichel. I mean, he have another guy, but Winnipeg would have needed it more. But you know, Buffalo is a team that is a team to be reckoned with. You know, they kind of kind of remind me of the young Pittsburgh Penguins type of team. You know, they had yeah. the star player. They're, they're building it right, and you know, Botterell he comes from from the Pittsburgh uh, family from that management tree. He comes from the racial management tree, actually. And, you know, he's building this team right. And watch out, NHL. The Buffalo Sabres are for real. and They're winning that division this year. They may well because they've had a, you know, they're, they've looked good. I mean, they've pretty much, I mean, they lost to Anaheim on the road and Columbus on the road. Another not, they're, they're spotless. And uh, granted, their schedule has been a tiny bit soft. But not horribly soft, and 
you got. I mean, you got to win. When you're the better team, you got to win those games. Let's put it that way. So winning them, I guess, is better than losing them. But uh, Buffalo's look good, and I, they don't get enough. Uh, they don't get enough love from the press because it's Buffalo, and it's they've been bad for so long, and all that stuff. But they've got to. They they they're going to be a sleeper there. It's going to be uh, yeah. February, and people are going to look and go, "Holy Jesus, Buffalo is still." Still up there. How did that happen? Well, because they're good. They finally got a guy in place there and a system in place that looks like it's going to work with the personnel they have. And um, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for Buffalo at this point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tim, I'm sorry, but I I might have to cut the show a little short today. I have to I have to take a phone call. Oh, no problem, man. Go if you got real life comes first before the sports. Not a problem, man. Go do it, and I'll wrap her up. Not not, not a problem. Okay, thank you so much. Hey, man, have a good uh, day, will... and uh, good luck to your Red Wings. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right, man. Bye-bye. So that's it for Motor City Mark, who's off to the real world. Um, been an interesting show today. Uh, We've had technical difficulties. Uh, real life got in the way. These things happen. Not a big deal. Um, I guess to wrap it up, we'll uh, give you a quick look at the uh, tonight's games. And I'll pick some quick winners. Uh, let's go to the scoreboard. Sharks at Montreal Canadiens. I will take Montreal. Uh, Coyotes at the Islanders. I'll take the Coyotes. Buffalo at New York. I'll take Buffalo. Uh, the Hurricanes are in Columbus. That's a tough one, but I will take Carolina on the road. Kings and the Blues, I'll take the Blues. Uh, Minnesota at Nashville, I will take the Predators, even though Minnesota's looking a little better. Uh, ooh, Philadelphia at Chicago. Yeah, I'll take the Blackhawks. Uh, the Ducks at the Stars, I'll take Dallas. Florida at Calgary. Uh, Calgary should probably do. And Washington at Edmonton. Uh, I will take Washington because I will never pick Edmonton. And uh, I guess that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, slightly uh, condensed edition of uh, White Men Can't Score. But, hey, you take what you can get. Um, hope everybody's having a good night and that everything is A-OK in everybody's world. Enjoy the sports, and we'll talk to you next time. We are out of here.